Imagine for yourself, it's the year 290 AD. You're a Roman citizen living in Rome, and you're going to a friend's house for a party. See, your family's actually from Hispania, modern-day Spain. So, you know, you're not ethnically a Roman, but you're as Roman as they get. Because you joined Romans, Rome's military, and you earned your citizenship through the blood and sweat and sacrifice uh, of years of your life. You know, you saw the world. You saw Rome conquer. You saw all these, all the peoples of the world bow down to Rome. Yeah, the last 50 years have been kind of hard for Rome, but still, Rome is the ruler of the world. And especially since Diocletian took over, you know, things have really turned around. You know, what was once terrible inflation, what was once just Rome seemed to be crumbling, he's put it back together now, and Rome is, is back under the God's favor. And so you're walking down the street going to a, a friend's party, and you see a group of soldiers leading away a group of people. And there's men, there's women in it. And you know they're under arrest because, you know, you know what, how it goes to be a soldier to arrest people. You know, you, you spend a good part of your life living that life. And, but the people, they don't look like criminals. They don't look like the normal people that you would see under arrest like that in the middle of the night. And as you're walking by, you're wondering, what, what did these people do? I mean, there's women and children among this group. And while you've arrested a fair share of women and children in your life, but it wasn't the normal thing to do. And so you're walking by and you hear one of the soldiers say what he thinks they should do with these Christians. And when he says the word Christian, you instantly, you know, you know exactly what they did. And the thing that he says that should be done to these Christians, you, you've done to people yourself. And it, it, it never became something you were quite comfortable with. You did it because that was your job. But it was always just brutal. And you weren't real sure anybody deserved it. But these Christians, in your mind, you think they do. Welcome to Rex's Bible Minute. This is a weekly podcast where I talk about Christianity and anything kind of related to that. This week, we're going to talk about one of the things that I think every Christian needs to study more. This is something that I think will make your understanding of, of the New Testament so much deeper. It'll let you understand what you're reading a little bit better uh, and understand the mind of these the early Christians. You know, We're talking about the Romans, the pagan Romans. Because for the first three centuries of the church, that was who the Christians rubbed elbows with. That's who the Christians used to be, were the pagan Romans. You know, if you read the New Testament, a lot of things in there are written either directly to the pagan Romans or about the pagan Romans. You know, they were so influential on the early church and the way it developed. You know, they were the people trying to stamp it out, trying to erase it from existence. You know, the, the pagan Romans were enormously important to the way that the church developed in its first three centuries. And so what we're going to look at is, is who were these pagan Romans and why did they hate Christians so much? Uh, if that sounds like something that, that you could get some, some use out of, then stick around. The scene I described at the beginning was actually fairly common during the rule of Emperor Diocletian. See, Diocletian is kind of a, a polarizing figure in Roman history. Uh, when he came to power, Rome was in the grips of what is commonly referred to as the crisis of the third century. This began in the year 235 AD with a defeat to the Sassanid Persian Empire and then uh, the, the assassination of Emperor Severus during the retreat at the hands of his own soldiers. And from there, for the next 50 years, uh, Rome was just 
a total mess. Just everything that you, you see goes wrong with, with big, powerful nations happened. Uh, the average rule during this time for an emperor was one to two years. So there was huge turnover in leadership. And every time uh, the, the leadership would turn over, there would be a new emperor. It, it kind of followed a pattern. And that's what caused the crisis to be so severe. It's just they got caught in this nasty cycle of turnover. What would happen is the military would pick somebody that they wanted to be emperor. And so they, they would put into power. And usually there would be a civil war to determine which guy got the job. And a lot of times there were different parts of the military fighting against each other for their guy to be the guy in power. And so whoever became the new emperor, uh, he would immediately try to fix the situation by kind of appealing to the masses. And he would do that in two ways. Uh, he would immediately embark on a military campaign to restore what Rome had lost under the previous guys during this crisis. Um, and so thus restoring Rome's sense of honor and, and prestige, which was massively important to the average Roman, especially the ruling classes. And then they would also uh, immediately go about blaming somebody for all the problems that they had. And that usually was the Christians. And so during this crisis, we'll only see two of the major persecutions on a government level of Christians because that was an easy scapegoat. And we're going to look at why that is here in a minute. But when Diocletian comes on the scene, he basically should have been just another one to two year emperor, right? Because he fit the mold of everybody who came before him. But Diocletian was different. Um, and Diocletian, what, he was just a lowborn average guy who joined the military uh, and, and worked his way up to the rank of general. And he proved himself in battle. He was a very good general by, from the records that we have. And he earned the respect of his men. And so when it, there became another opening in the, emperor, uh, in the emperor's job, uh, his men put him forward. They decided we wanted him to be the emperor. Now, he was clearly a master of politics because he's one of the few emperors during this time that didn't have any rivals. Normally, there would be a fight out for it, but he didn't have to fight a civil war just to get the job. He, he, he either fixed the problems before they became problems or everybody was too intimidated by him uh, to even try to take the job from him. So Diocletian comes to power, and he, he goes about kind of doing the same thing everybody else had done right before this. He, he, he set up military victories. He set up, he set up a military campaign, um, and he blamed the Christians for the problems. What was different about him was he actually took steps to fix Rome's actual problems. See, during the crisis, uh, Rome's economy was in shambles. Inflation was huge. Their money wasn't worth what it used to be. The, the, the soldiers were being promised over and over these huge pay increases because, you know, the, what's a good way to get the military to back you for being emperor? Promise them huge pay raises. And there, it ended up just causing huge inflation as well as, you know, trade just not going the way Rome normally went about it. Uh, there were just huge problems that this, this crisis was causing. And so uh, Diocletian saw the problem and he said, you know what, the problem is Rome's too big. And rather than just like shedding territories, um, which Rome did eventually later for the sake of stability, uh, he divided the, the empire up into four parts. And he basically said, all right, I'm going to be emperor. Now, number one, there's no, no, nobody's equal with me. Like up to this time, the emperor is reviewed as, as principate, first among equals is what they called it. And so he, the emperors would view themselves as kind of equal with the Senate, you know, the elected officials of the Roman Republic. Uh, and so they kind of had to go through the Senate to get anything done. 
uh, Diocletian said, no, that's causing a lot of problems. Enough of that. And he started what's called the dominate or dominate. I don't speak Latin. I definitely don't pronounce that right. So I apologize if that's that's correct, incorrect. I'm sure it is. But the dominate. And during this time, the emperor said, I'm not equal to anybody. I'm on top. Everybody's deal with it. Right. So he started this so he didn't have to go through the Senate and the bureaucracy to fix Rome's problems. The next thing he did, after I said he divided up the emperor, he tried dividing it in just two. That worked all right. And he said, you know what, let's divide it into four. And so he set it up so that there were two senior men and two junior men. And each one of these four men got a quarter of the empire. And really, the other three guys were all subservient to him. He was truly the top dog. But each each emperor more or less, had to had to, to take care of their own territory. So they, they were given the military resources and the economic resources of their territory to defend its borders and to protect it. And so in a sense, it was highly effective because you didn't have one guy trying to administer this huge, huge empire. They went from Great Britain all the way to Egypt. I mean, this, this was massive. Uh, you had these four guys that, that basically managed much smaller, much more manageable territories. And so he came in and he stabilized the government. Now, why is this important to understanding who the average Roman was? Well, just like you and I, you know, we, we, the, our, the, what our government does on a big level affects us. And it affects the, the way we think. And the, what we think about it is, is a big part of what people talk about. It's a big part of the way people shape their views is, is what the government does and how it affects them. And so you had people who lived in a period of crisis and instability for 50 years, okay? That's Rome, Romans viewed themselves as masters of all in a sense. They were the top dogs because they had conquered everything, right? Rome was not used to losing, and yet you had people during this time uh, had just suffered loss after loss after loss of 50 years. You know, this is a lot of people who, bo- who were born and died during the crisis and never knew anything, never knew the true glories of, of Rome, but they, they'd heard about it. You know, their, their ancestors, their, their parents, their grandparents had told them about Rome's glories. And so Diocletian comes in and he gets things squared away. He levels things out and he, he starts to rebuild Rome. He, he ends the, the Persian War. He, he, he's victorious there with the Sassanids. He's, he, he, and he, he gives the people a scapegoat. And he rolls these out, the, these persecutions of Christians, he rolls them out over time. He doesn't just all at once go straight to, let's kill them all, but eventually he gets there. And the reason that we look at Diocletian as being so pivotal to understanding the way Romans think is because he stayed in power for so long. Again, remember, during the crisis, the average rule was, was one to two years. Diocletian lasted 21 years. That was, that was massive. And so his, the persecutions that he enacted against Christians and, and other religious groups that the Romans didn't like, that didn't gel with their way of doing things, uh, it, it, was, it was long and it was intense. So in today's world, the average person doesn't like persecution. Right? If somebody is intentionally persecuted, or at least if, if somebody views somebody as being intentionally persecuted by the government or, or people who are in power, they won't stand for it. Right? Like, pretty much nobody in the Western world is on board with, with persecution of somebody just because of the, the things they believe or because of you know, the color of their skin or anything like that. Not, and on average, obviously, there are some people who do, and obviously, you know, those are the 
the exception to the rule, not the rule. The average person w- has has no appetite for government mandated persecution. Uh, it's it's just not acceptable today. But that is not the way the Romans were at all. That is not the way that, that the Roman peoples were. Uh, Rome wanted victory. Romans wanted power. They wanted prestige. They wanted victory above all else. They wanted respect. And so they had this deep sense of, of appealing to Rome's glorious past. And if somebody or someone gets in the way of, of Rome continuing to go along that path of, of glory and, and dominance, they were absolutely okay with getting rid of them, right? This is a world where slavery was still very, very much a part of it. Like, Romans is kind of a contradiction. Uh, they, they valued equality. You know, they were, for a long time, they were a, an election-based republic. You know, their leaders, they didn't have a king. They just had people, they had representatives who were elected into office. You know, they were, they were unique in that way. They took the Greek um, democracy idea and, and, and really elevated it. But at the same time, at periods, a, th- a third of the population of Rome were also slaves. So it's like, you know, they're kind of a little hypocritical there, right? Um, but Rome, they, they were absolutely, they had no problems with people suffering. But if you were a Roman citizen, that meant that you were above others. And citizenship was not about race or ethnicity. It was about status. It was about earning the status of Roman citizen. Right, you could be a Gaul at times. You know, this, the, the policies changed throughout Rome's history about who could become a citizen. But eventually, if you you earn the right to be citizen, you could be a citizen no matter where you started from. And so, Rome Romans had that deep uh, sense of of history and, and connecting to Rome's glory and power. And so, when people got in the way of that, uh, they had no problems uh, persecuting them. And so, the next aspect of, of a Roman. Is, is their paganism, their religion. As a Christian, and I'm assuming most of the people who watch this come from a Christian background, we, we view our faith as something that's personal. Um, it's, it's about being passionate and having a deep relationship with, with our God. And, and that, that relationship is the point, right? True Christianity is about having a relationship with Jesus because we believe that fills the hole that we're all missing, that, that we were created to be in relationship with him, and without a relationship with Jesus, we, we're, we're missing out, we're, we're empty, we're not what we need to be. Something is not right. That is, that is to be fulfilled, to be made whole, is to be back in a relationship with God. Roman paganism was nothing like that. They did not like that at all. Roman paganism was about material gains. It was not about the afterlife. It was about getting the goods, right? It was about getting things, more or less. It was, it was about the, getting the gods' favor so they would bless you with the things you want. And, you know, the things you want, it's it, you just the laundry list, whether it's opportunities, whether it's wealth, um, your crops to grow well, to get plenty of rain and sunshine, all the things that go towards that, to um, yeah, having lots of babies, to finding a spouse, to, to anything. Like the material gains and blessings in this life, that was what Roman paganism was about. It was about getting the gods' favor so they would bless you with the things you want and to avoid the gods being angry with you and doing bad things to you. That is 100% what Roman paganism was about. If somebody got really passionate about their, their religion, Romans didn't like that. Didn't like that at all. So, you know, you see Christians who are super passionate about their, their faith in Jesus. They didn't, they didn't like that. Roman paganism was not about passion. It was about doing, doing your religious duty so that the gods would give you what you want. 
And so, you know, when it came to festivals and processions and parades and sacrifices and prayers and worship, it was, you didn't change the script at all. It was all, you went by the book. Exactly how it was written was exactly how you're going to do it every single year because clearly that's what the gods liked because it's got us what we wanted. So that's, that's it. We, we are going to do it the same way every single time. I don't care if you like it or not. Like that was Roman paganism. And so the, the pagan practices, you know, they, they varied, you know, because they had so many gods that, you know, they, they didn't think that there was just, you know, their set of gods and that was it. When Rome encountered new gods, if it looked similar to one of theirs, they viewed that as as being like, oh, that's, that's our same god. He just has a different name with that people. Um, or if they encounter a completely new god, when Rome would conquer those people, they'd say, hey, look, we got a new god. He's on our team now. He didn't like you guys anymore. Now he's on our team. So they had this ever-expanding cult of, of gods, this plethora of gods. And so a Roman didn't view any one god as being the only god. They just they said there's thousands of gods. How can anybody keep track of them? You know, Paul mentions this when he's talking to the Greeks, not the Romans. Um, and in the book of Acts, when he's in the city of Athens, you know, he finds a statue to the unknown God and gives a speech about how there's, that's actually the one true God. But that idea that the, the Romans and the Greeks um, would view the world as, hey, there's no way we know all the gods, so we're going to make statues to the ones we don't know about so that they don't get mad at us and, you know, think that we're ignoring them. So Roman paganism was very much about getting the goods, getting what they wanted out of stuff getting what they wanted out of the gods and not getting the gods angry. And nowhere was this fervor for keeping the gods happy more prevalent than in the military. You know, the Roman military, man, they had more to lose than the average person. You know, they, they, if they're on the battlefield, if the gods get angry at them, they could die. They could watch their friends die. Roman soldiers were the most religious people in the Roman world during that time. So... That's why when you see the emperors come from the military ranks, that's when the persecution of Christians really ramp up because those were the guys who, who saw Christians as a threat to keeping the gods happy. Now, you might be wondering, why, why would the Christians be a threat to the keeping the gods happy like if if the if the pagan is pagans thought there were just a bunch of gods wouldn't they just view jesus as you know just another god and why would they why 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 would the why did the pagans not like christianity and here's why picture yourself standing at the center of the city it is the festival of terminus the god of boundaries this is the god who determines where rome ends He's a pretty important god to the Romans. He's, he's somebody that they, they really want to keep happy, so he keeps moving the boundaries further and further out and doesn't shrink the boundaries. And so it's the Feast of Terminus. There's been a big parade, and it's, it's culminated in the middle of town. And part of the, fe the Feast of Terminus is, is feasting, is eating. And so the, the food is passed out. Now, this food was sacrificed to Terminus, right? I don't know if you know this, but typically in pagan worship they didn't just like you know slaughter a bull and just like throw it on the fire and burn it up like yeah that did happen some but most of the time they would basically just butcher a, an animal or something cook it and then everybody got to eat it right so it was they were eating food that was sacrificed to to a god and so at this festival uh, there was food sacrificed to terminus that was passed out and you know you're standing in the middle of the street all the people are around you every oh, whole city's there again everybody wants to wants to make sure terminus is happy and they're going down the line and they're passing things out and that you see a group of people standing down beside you that it refused the food. And now that's that's weird, 
right? Why would you take a risk of angering a God by not celebrating him? You know, this is his feast. We do this every year in February. Why, why aren't these people eating? And then you start to hear the whispers in the crowd grow. Those are Christians. Why, those are Christians. Why, what is wrong with them? They're risking making the God terminus angry at us. Why aren't they eating the food? Seems like this would play out all over Rome. You know, Romans would go to these religious festivals and, and, and feasts, and they would view it as their religious, their religious duty, but also their civilian duty, right? It was being a good citizen of Rome to keep the gods happy. And they get to these, these, these feasts and these festivals and these parades, and they would see Christians refuse to participate. They wouldn't eat food sacrificed to the idols. They wouldn't pray to these gods. They refused to be good citizens in their eyes. You know, they risked making the gods angry. And they just, to the average Roman, it just, it seemed, it, it was it was not okay. Like, it, you weren't just messing with them. It was, it was, you were messing with everybody's livelihood at that point. And so Romans had this, this animosity towards Christians because they kind of viewed them as atheists, more or less. You know, these, these Christians didn't believe in the gods. Like, how could they? And, you know, their, their god... He died. Remember, we talked about how Romans valued power and victory over pretty much everything else. And, and they see these Christians who say their God died. Well, what use is a God that died? You know, when, when Roman militaries uh, conquered a people, they viewed that as their gods conquering those other gods or the other gods joining the Romans team. Like they switched sides. So Rome, Romans didn't understand this whole Christianity thing because their, their God was weak, and he died, and he lets them suffer. He, he doesn't give them good things. He lets them be persecuted. You know, a, a scene just like the one we talked about at the Feast of Terminus actually, actually happened according to tradition. Um, the, the scene definitely happened, but according to tradition, Emperor Diocletian witnessed these Christians refusing to participate, and it made him furious. Remember, he came through the military, so he was highly religious and, and fervent about keeping the gods happy. Uh, and that's when the persecution under Diocletian really ramped up, was, was after this scene at, at a Feast of Terminus. And so we see that the Roman citizens, they viewed Christians as being unpatriotic and as being people who really risk the God's anger on everybody. You know, so you have that idea that, that, that has been around since Christianity first formed in the first and second century, but by the third century, it is rampant. It is, it is everywhere, and that's when you, you finally get to the boiling point of Diocletian coming into power after you have an entire generation live through nothing but crisis. You have the Christians who are, it was their fault. Basically, that was what the average Roman kind of felt like, was that these Christians had brought about the God's wrath. You know, they had ticked off the gods by not worshiping him, by, by not keeping them happy, by not doing their religious duty. You know, the Christians worshiped their God in private when religion was all about public displays to the gods. You know, it just, there were so many things that, that the Christians did that didn't gel with, with the Romans' view of religion and, and patriotism, that it was they're just oil and water. There's no way they could get along. And so that's why you see in the Bible uh, Peter and Paul and Jesus talking about, you know, these people who, who persecuted you. Well, they're talking about these Romans. Like Jesus said that they're going to hate you because of me. This is what he's talking about. You know, and obviously not just this situation, but many others that, that happened way later in history. But to the initial hearers, 
this is what he was talking about. This is what would have come to their mind. When Paul talks about, you know, sacrificing and suffering for Christ, you know, these were people who were suffering because of their neighbors, because of the people that lived down the street from them, because of the city officials. You know, when, when Peter talks about, you know, it's it's better to, to suffer for Christ, you know, that it's good to suffer for Christ. It builds up, you know, uh, the characters in, in your that that Christ wants you to be. He was talking to people who were suffering firsthand. You know, these were were Christians who the government that they lived under was out to get them. You know, they, they, the the people had the uh, the early Christians had the cards stacked against them by their own neighbors, by their own families, by their own friends. When to, to become a Christian during this time was to sign up for a hard life, and so. When you read the book of Romans, when you read any of the New Testament letters, when you read any of the histories, the book of Acts, or you hear about the background, the context of these books, these letters in the New Testament, hopefully you'll have a little bit better idea as, as to where they're coming from. That these, these cities that were filled with people who didn't like Christians, because, not because they hated people just because of the name of Christian, Christianity, not just because of the name of Christ. That was more of a Jewish animosity. But these Romans, they didn't like them because to them, Christians were unpatriotic and they risked Rome's suffering. And so I hope that this gave you a little bit better insight. Um, and I, hopefully this is something that will just enlighten your Bible study for, uh, from here on out. So if you have any questions or comments, um, please uh, reach out to me. Uh, my email is in the show notes uh, on the podcast, or you can comment on YouTube. Um, this is not meant to be a, a big historical defense of any of this, by the way. Um, I'm sure somebody out there will, will have a problem with you know my broad generalizations. Rome was a massive empire. Obviously, not every people group within it fits this mold exactly, but the vast majority, the average Roman, this is what this this they kind of fall under this umbrella. So thanks for watching and until next week.